Welcome to Pros and Cons, a show about a variety of topics. I'm Jack. And I'm Kev. Let's talk about magazines. You mean the colorful picture newspapers? (laughs) (laughs) Don't dislike that. I've never heard that before, though. Definitely a very Theo Vaughn kind of term for it. You know, just me and Theo think differently, you know. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever heard him say that, but... And, you know, we'll get into where magazines are at nowadays and stuff, but just starting off with the foundation, what do you remember with magazines as a kid? Or did you ever read any or just like see them on newsstands or anything that comes to mind? Growing up, I don't think I have many memories of magazines. I do remember thinking they were always so fucking dope and cool to see when going to markets or like supermarkets, even though those are the shitty magazines. But the print on magazines has always been like A1. They've been using some of the best printers in the world to print magazine photos. Isn't it true? Like, the colors always look so dope and vibrant. Pictures always so clear. At least, you know, like the store ones. Just always look so good. And we've talked about it before. We're really attracted to, like, you know, good photography and photos and, like, colors and stuff like that. So it always caught my eye as a kid. But I never bought them. I don't think my parents ever really bought magazines. I do always remember grabbing them at the market, giving them a little sniff because they have that beautiful baseball card smell some of them can have. Gotta love it. Real quick, that also made me think of, remember the scratch and sniff? Yes. Can never forget that. I wouldn't even lie. I think one of my favorite colognes and perfumes I got from like a nice scratch and sniff. Mm. I don't know, probably a Burberry or fucking Armani or something. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I guess middle school? I got a quote-unquote subscription. If you became like a GameStop subscribed person and you got the discount and the deals or whatever, they would include a Game Informer membership, which was like the GameStop magazine. They'd drop it every month and then the cover would be like that upcoming great game that everyone's waiting for. And it'll give you like a bunch of articles on like the developers and how the game's looking and inside scoops and rumors about future games and then like in the back my favorite part was when they would do like a rating system of all the games that are coming out or that came out and they'd like rate them and tell you what's good and bad about them it's like the yelp for video games when i was a kid and it was like if the score was over i don't know let's say a 75 then i'd be like i i might want to buy this game or tell my dad to buy me this for my birthday or christmas or whatever it is so i used to always look forward to that Yeah, I think going off what you were saying, some of the first ones that you were mentioning, you know, where you see them in the market or whatever, a lot of times that might be tabloids or People magazine or something. And then you have the classics like Time magazine or Natchee or something. But then going to the video game one you mentioned, I feel like that's a great example for magazines being so niche and so specific to different topics or cultures. I think for me, I went through different magazine phases, depending on what I was into at that time. So for example, when I was younger, I remember reading Sports Illustrated for kids a lot. And I actually, at one point, got to go on like a tour of their office. That was fire. And probably the next up were photography magazines. When I was first getting into that, I can't even remember which ones now, but there were definitely some that I would check out for a bit where they just had a bunch of stuff about showing different photos and then showing like 
certain camera info, interviews with photographers, etc. So there's like a very brief period where I looked at those early on. For sneakers as well, like Soul Collector, which I was on the forums at that time for ISS, but then their magazine itself was always super well done. I feel like that was the best sneaker-focused only magazine, but you also have others like Complex that cover sneakers, but also cover other stuff like music and pop culture, etc. But Complex was even at the tail end of you know, the classic hip-hop magazines like The Source and a bunch of other ones, Vibe, etc. And then you had some more modern ones like The Fader and I worked at Respect Magazine one summer. Music is definitely a big place for that and hip-hop especially. But even just noticing little different trademark things in other magazines too and seeing all the different styles you could do with it and like you said, just great photos and visuals usually, and fun stories, fun design. And I feel like we were at the end of it in general, where we experienced enough of it to see what it was like and to see or look back on when it was more important. But we also were in that transition to the digital side. But even like we started a magazine ourselves (laughs) in college for Ludique. Yes, sir. Good old Ludique. I don't even remember how the name came about. I'm pretty sure it was your idea, but I remember all of us liking it and being like, let's go with that. That's different, (laughs) unique, Ludique. I don't think that was the thought process. I'm just thinking right now. But but yeah, we did it ourselves. And that was mostly digital magazine that we had ideas of possibly throwing on paper one day, but never quite happened and I don't know it was pretty dope uh, we found like a a way to marry like a social media magazine put it all in once in somewhat of a square format because of the influence of Instagram at that point and that's kind of what we were basing a lot of the magazine articles yeah I mean it started as a magazine specifically for mobile photography which was like implying the Instagram community at that time and that was mostly who we featured right and it was something that yeah we had a lot of ideas possibly to grow to something else but I don't know to say the least it's kind of hard to run and do a magazine day in and day out it takes more than one or two people even though we had a group of friends working with us yeah when you see something like I don't know ID kinfolk or something like that it's like yeah they probably who knows how many people actually work on that Shout out to anyone making a magazine right now, especially in this day and age. Like, I see it and respect it for sure. Yeah, and we're not going to stay on this too long because it's not about us, but it does connect to the bigger thing here too because we launched that in January 2013. And that first year, like you said, it was kind of a hybrid thing where we designed digital issues, quote unquote, that were meant to be consumed at once. And it was kind of all together. And then at one point we transitioned to more of like articles within the website that would still be grouped together as an issue, but it was more on the side versus being fully designed separately. And then eventually we also tried to put out pages, quote unquote, or spreads through our Instagram directly for that. But basically kind of say that all to say with the point you were making that it's so hard nowadays, and this is, you know, dating back now for the last like decade basically 
where magazines have tried to figure out how to pivot in a digital world and still reach people directly. But I mean, when we were starting, websites were still kind of a thing. You could still get people to go to websites, check things out. Now, especially in the past like five years, it's so hard to get people to go to other websites outside of the usual social media ones, or unless it's a, you know, established big website like the New York Times or something. But I don't know, it just got to a point where it was hard to keep growing it and find that audience or make the content in a way that made sense for the current landscape. And like you said, it was also just a lot in general. But I don't know if there's a place for magazines currently in the same way that there used to be. And there are still some making it happen, holding it down. But you kind of have to have your own cult audience in a way or cult following. And even now, like there's still a bunch of magazines I enjoy. Part of the reason why I want to do this episode lines up with Apartamento magazine, which is one of my favorites, if not my favorite, releasing their 30th issue, which is like their 15th anniversary with Solange on the cover, Crazy Shoot with Jody Rogak. And they're like one of the few examples of their killing it, design, physical magazine always feels great, great paper texture, great people featured, everything. But it's so hard to carve out a lane for that nowadays. Yeah, those are tricky because that's a super dope magazine, but it's not even a magazine I see anywhere. I feel mm. like you got to go find it. or Yeah, it's specialty stores that carry it. Yeah, exactly. You got to be lucky to live next or near a place that would even carry it. And I'm sure you probably can order it online or something. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's one of those where like, I even wonder myself, like I wonder how many copies they actually sell. A thing that like other magazines got away with or got help with was like, when you're a magazine that makes it to the doctor offices, the, <laughs> the waiting rooms, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you're going to sell a couple good thousands because, you know, across the U.S., whether it's a, I think even car dealerships have magazines and like tables and stuff like that. If you make it to be one of those magazines, then you're bound to be successful or have the room for that. But these small niche ones, like you said, apartamento and stuff like that, super dope and almost want to support just so that they can keep making it. Because even like me, at least I'm thinking like how many of these would they even sell just because... It's just a different world, a different time, like magazine aren't as successful or as part of the culture as they used to be. And I mean, even if you compare to vinyl, right, which we've talked about before, it's having resurgence right now, that's still based in music, which is so heavily tied to the culture. And vinyl is like a way to support an artist you like while having this big piece of art that you can hang in your place or whatever. And magazines i feel like can be in a way you know that same kind of art book thing they have around the house whatever and i partially do that with some as well but it's not based or rooted in being tied to an artist it's not like you know drake is putting out a magazine even though he could or there's not like a direct connection there where it would explode in the same way as final has again so i'm not sure what could even bring it back but I think it is partially even a cost thing too because I remember when we were looking into for Ludique possibly doing maybe a one-off like a best of or something like that it was so complicated to find printers who have good prices often they have big minimums too and then when you want to have a specific type of paper texture or something like that 
it can be just endlessly complicated and you won't make enough money off it that makes it worth it or you won't have enough people to even buy it just in general or whatever the case is. But I say that to say maybe if it was more affordable, more accessible for people to make them, then that might help because you do have a lot of, I'm just going to use influencers for lack of a better word, but it could be anyone, musician, digital creator, whatever it is. If there was like an easy way for anyone to be able to make a magazine, put out little one-offs, then people might be more interested in seeing that, but it just takes too much to do that right now. Even on top of that, everything is so digitally based that most people and companies, etc., probably think like, what's the point, you know? It's tricky. As you were talking, I started thinking too, like, I mean, you briefly mentioned it, just like social media and other forms of media kind of have killed magazines one way or another. But one of the more important ways, I think, is like that. No one's reading magazines and toilets no more. And we got to bring that back. I think there was a face in my own household where this was a thing when my dad got a house in New Jersey and stuff. And like they decorated the bathroom and blah, blah, blah. And they, my stepmom put this little, I don't know, wooden, almost looked like a, a shoe cleaner box type thing. But it was wide open and it would fit magazines perfectly. That was like a thing. She bought like magazines and put them like next to the toilet, which... I guess now if you start thinking about it and we're all more uh, aware of like our hygiene and shit, it's not the most sanitary thing to have, you know, magazines next to the toilet. But mm-hmm. but that was a thing and it was entertaining, you know, catch a seat on the throne and like you just catch a quick read, whether it's Nat Geo <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, something you might like. But now that time is consumed by most people, probably by TikTok or maybe an Instagram if you're bringing your phone to the bathroom, you know. I'm just now picturing us as like a creative agency and we meet with like Condé Nast and a bunch of publishers and we go into the meeting. It's like, all right, guys, how can we raise up our readership? And you're just like, bathroom reading. (laughs) You do like a presentation. (laughs) Yo, our bathroom readership is down about 99%, man. (laughs) You got to bring that number up at least 2% next quarter. How can we do that? It's like a Mad Men episode. (laughs) And I was touching on this a little bit, but you do see certain artists certain musicians like frank ocean did the boys don't cry magazine tyler did the golf magazine around cherry bomb netflix has put out like an ongoing magazine called the q or just q and you do sometimes see it and the netflix one is crazy because it's free you literally just sign up put in your address and you get free copies and it's actually high quality and well done the frank and tyler ones are more like limited you gotta get it while you can and then it ends up going on ebay for hundreds of dollars type of thing so those are almost more collectibles but otherwise you don't really see them too much as often those are both the only magazines technically that i own mm. the frank one is that's just art i mean i don't even yeah. know magazines the right name but the frank one is brolic it's huge it's like 300 pages i forget the actual number because mine was shipped and i remember reading that it was like six pounds yeah or something like that which is insane if you're thinking about because even like a bible you know what i mean <laughs> like a solid bible i don't think it's even four pounds it's probably like two or three it's way bigger in size like the actual frame of it is just super high quality literally every page is like a full-on printed 
on film type photo mm-hmm. feel and look to it. The Tyler one is more normal, but it's also like one of those super limited. If you didn't get it at that time, then yeah, now it becomes like this super rare type magazine that super fans would look for, who knows, 15, 20 years from mm-hmm. now. Could you see that becoming more of a thing of them just turning into like very rare limited collectibles versus, you know, just more frequent casual copies, I guess? Yeah, I think so. In relation to something you mentioned earlier, kind of like what we've seen with record players and LPs and all that, there will be a weird resurgence of them. People our age that kind of saw it early in our lives and later on are in charge of creative projects and stuff like that when we have the money for them they'll kind of come back up it's that whole thing where like we'll try to recreate we've seen it with like baseball cards too where like try to recreate it whether it's for a single project or for future ideas of other shit who knows maybe there'll be a different creative way of doing it but i don't see why it wouldn't be done like that a la boys don't cry style super high quality a low count of it you know like a limited run make it a art piece type thing a one in i don't know let's say a thousand one in five thousand still a super limited run believe it or not where price or saving money on print or whatever isn't really a problem like you're making this because of the art or the actual project or whatever the purpose may be and i feel like this one of the problems i have with like the cheap grocery store magazines is that everything's made to like save money and like blah 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 but you kind of still have to keep the quality and the colors but if you kind of avoid all that and you do it the right way you do it nice you make it feel like a nice book like me i'm a personally a fan even when i get books to read i don't want no paperbacks fuck out of here like let me have that feel let me have that hardcover and i want to put this on a shelf and i want it to look nice later on if you make magazines that same way Make them thicker, make the spine nice, make a nice design where like it could read and like, yeah, you kind of start collecting all these pieces, quote unquote, as like magazines, then hell yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't happen. And I don't see why someone wouldn't have that vision already. Especially certain artists, you know, we're talking about Frank Tyler, who have very curated worlds and build up all sorts of stuff showing off their taste and etc. I could see someone like a Travis Scott for Utopia putting out a magazine around that. It's not just the artists, you know, talking about influences and whatnot, like actually making their version of what a sick magazine would be based on their influences and interests, etc. Like even in both these Frank and Tyler ones, these are not just magazines about the album or whatever. They have some stuff connected to it, but a lot of it is just like an excuse for them to explore their interests, to photograph it, to document it, to have interviews with people they're interested in, etc. So I, I think that's a good approach to do it if you're going to do it and have it not just be like a promo item. Yeah, and I think there's a lane for it in many categories. Mm-hmm. Think about it like in sports. Why not make the Mamba one where it's like a Traxxas career and you could throw in just like iconic Kobe interviews, a Derek Jeter one, just to say another iconic name. And I mean, Derek Jeter has a background of media and all that shit and running, what is it, the Tribune or some shit? I forget what it's called. Yeah, the Players Tribune. The Players Tribune, like, it'd be something that Jeter, I could see him doing it. I almost even picture it similar style to Boys Don't Cry, where you throw these big frames of like dope iconic photos. And we know there's plenty of dope sports 
super surreal photos, you know, with like the lights and, and the skies and the moment. Have that and then throw it with the article or Jeter explaining the moment or whatever it is, you know. I would love to fucking own a piece of magazine or work like that. So I could see it happening in any lane, not just music, not just art. Mm -hmm. Makes me think too, like the Yankees, right? You know, we're big Yankees fans. We talk about them often. And I'm pretty sure they have like a Yankees magazine that's just like a shitty paper magazine with generic content in it. But why shouldn't there be a really dope Yankees magazine that all fans could buy. You have a built-in fan base, but it's really well-designed, great features, great photography, all that. It could easily happen. They just don't want to put the time into that. Is there anything outside of what we talked about that you would want to see in magazines going forward, either realistically or just hypothetically, if it were to be an ideal creation setup, whatnot? Something I haven't put much thought into but other than what we've already mentioned, like making these special editions type thing that's released every X amount of time or whatever it is, make it somewhat of a big deal, kind of like an album release or like a clothing release, like a Jordan release. I don't know, something where like people are like mm -hmm. waiting for this. Throw music in it. I don't know what it is. Movies. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Obviously, I said I didn't think about it much, but someone can think of it. Let's say, like, Boys Don't Cry It again. Let's just keep using this as an example because I think Frank did it really well. Maybe it's a new album that he put in it. Wait, there was a CD in it, right? Mm -hmm, or, yeah. Yeah, like, attaching something to it. Yeah, I mean, even going off that, like, a movie itself could have a whole magazine with, like, behind-the-scenes shots, the movies that influence, like, stuff like that. Would fucking love to see it. Like an A24 magazine. Yeah, exactly. A24, why not? Why not have the one out of a thousand everything everywhere all at once magazine type shit, you know? Yeah. Bam. Yeah, we're just giving out ideas. Like, we gotta... <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We gotta stop this. But we're the Free Ideas podcast, remember? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, something like that, I don't see why not. You create the hype for it. Let's say, like, the Lost and Found Jordans or something. Like, people would want it. And especially, we know this to be a fact. People want limited things, limited runs of stuff. Those are even instances where you're promoting something, but it's also more organic and just telling fun stories or doing fun designs around the content and et cetera too. But you always have an ongoing stream of things happening. Like A24 always has movies coming out or whatever. There's always something to promote and talk about and feature. Yeah, I feel like there is room and a world where that can happen. So I think that's one of the ways that magazines can live. For me personally, also, I don't usually buy magazines online unless it's like something very specific I'm looking for that I know I won't be able to find. Like even speaking of Tyler, he was just in this issue of this magazine called Rob Report, which I've never heard of, but basically showing off his different collections and stuff. And he did a dope YouTube video on this too. But it is a magazine that's not going to be in many stores, even in New York. So it's like, I just got to order it online or sometimes like there's this small magazine in New Zealand called Coupe de Maine who do these little zine collabs with different musicians so that's another thing that you know only going to get there which side note zines are also really dope just very DIY handcrafted I like them in general even though I think I'm personally more interested in the higher quality heavier paper texture and stuff of magazines but still respect scenes 
anyway, I bring that up because definitely in general, like you were mentioning, some of these specific more niche magazines are very hard to find. Luckily in Manhattan, there are a bunch of great shops, especially downtown, that specialize in that and curate them and have like some of these better known ones. And I always enjoy just going into the stores and looking through different ones. And there'll be ones that you have as staples, like you look for, but then it's also, you know, just sometimes discovering new ones and being like, oh, this is dope. Like even recently, just to give a couple examples, there is this one I found called Racket that's like based on tennis stuff, but it has a much more art editorial look to it and really cool illustrations and designs and everything. And there was this one called a magazine curated by, and then it's always filled in the blank with whoever's doing it. So for example, the one that I picked up was from this like Italian fashion designer. I think he's creative director at Marnie. He basically made this whole magazine issue based on his tastes and stuff, but every issue it's a different person curating it. But all, like in that case, I think it's a lot of fashion people and stuff, but sometimes it's even just someone you really like is on the cover and that might be enough. Like for example, you know, there's been a bunch of magazines with Steve Lacey on the cover or Bad Bunny, etc. People who might be enough of a draw in itself to own it, to have that cover, to have that story, etc. Even though like cover story profiles are not what they used to be where you know a writer would follow along someone for a week do a whole story basically detailing kind of inner life stuff but I don't know there's still magazines that are doing good things and you have the ones that have hung around like you mentioned ID Dazed is another interview magazine has held up over time in its way and there's ones that have low-key been around for a while like Popeye magazine from Japan which has such a dope aesthetic and look, and they always feature really cool people and ideas. Or like Sneeze Magazine, who does the really big magazine issues that are like poster size and stuff, but are big within the skate community and graffiti community, etc. And of course, you do have ones that fall apart along the way too, for whatever reason. Like, I remember there was this one Bad Day magazine that always printed their covers and images and stuff with just one color tone at a time but it looked really dope they had a a nice run but couldn't keep it going there's one human being journal that had really cool designs and stuff but some of these just can't afford to keep printing them after a time so basically all in all i think there's still a decent amount of magazines out there thriving if you know how to look but the industry is way different than it used to be and it's just harder to find that harder to start new ones if you're not established and I think like we're saying it might be these one-off collectible ones and then the few 0.05% or whatever it is that make it to where they have enough of an audience to keep printing and etc but it's definitely not easy yeah it sucks because even ones that you like, let's say, like uh, you mentioned, like in Apartamento right now, it's a thing where you're kind of like, I wonder how long this can keep going on for, or like it'll stay alive for. Because yeah, even some of the good ones you mentioned kind of just tend to die out over time. But who knows? But yeah, overall, magazines definitely aren't where they used to be. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But 
like we're saying, I think there could be room still for them to have a new kind of place in it if we figure out what that looks like. And just in the idea of them, not just like a shitty tabloid paper magazine or something, but when they're really well done, I think they're a major pro. But in general, when you balance all it out, I probably go like a solid pro, I think. I feel like there's very little you can con on a magazine in terms of what they are, what has come from them, how they look, even the price. I don't even know what a magazine costs. What does a magazine cost right now? It really depends. Like for some of these higher ones, it might be, you know, in the 15 to 20 range or something. But like a paper one is going to be, you know, 5 to 10 or something, probably. Yeah, so not too bad at all. There's a lot more room for them to be better and be well done. With all that said, even though I didn't fully grow up with them or even own many of them right now, I still enjoy them. I still like the feel of them. I still like the look of them. I'd go with like a light to solid pro. And that wraps it up for this episode of Pros and Cons. I'm Jack. You can find me at Jack Bloom Summer, Summer with an O on everything. And I'm Kev. You can find me at same old Kev pretty much everywhere. Shout out also to the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's kind of magazine tribute with the New Yorker.